2: Yo, what up, people? KJ Podcast. I'm Kevin Jones. Welcome, if you're brand new, San Francisco 49ers analysis. The NFL draft came and went. A lot freaking happened. And some 49ers fans are really mad at John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for not addressing the secondary, for taking a punter in the fourth round, taking two wide receivers in the second and third round. Interesting strategy from your boys in Santa Clara. I am not one of the people who is outraged. I want to get that clear from the beginning here I understand the draft strategy here and I understand not taking a cornerback until the sixth round and we'll get into what Kyle and John Lynch were thinking my perspective on inside the building in Santa Clara the expectations for this draft class we're going to go through each guy one by one try and project I mean I don't give a grade guys I'm not going to say oh this is a B plus is a B minus we have no idea we had no idea Joe Williams was going to walk on the field as a third round pick and be overweight and not fit in. You had no idea George Kittle was going to lead the NFL in tight end yards of all time. It's impossible to predict things yet, but let's just see their potential fits. Maybe look at some ceilings, some floors, some player comparisons and what to expect year one from the 2019 draft class. Yeah. Welcome to blue wire. This is the sports podcasting network. I started, this is the type of content you get deeper dives into your local teams and niche stuff want to shout out jordan reed our draft expert follow him on twitter at j absolutely crushed it he's gonna have a ton of draft content yeah just search blue wire in spotify itunes and check out some of our other pods give them a play all right let's get into what happened nick bosa we recapped it thursday night how can you not love the football player The person's got a lot to win over some certain 49ers fans, but you got to love Nick Bosa, the football player. It changes the defense. Day two, I argued, Kyle's got to get in here and get a receiver, and they did right away with Debo Samuel. Can't wait to break down this guy as a prospect. I mean, he's very effing legit. You see 5'11", listed, but he plays much bigger than that on the football field. Reminds me a lot of Pierre Garçon, Anquan Bolden. Going to be a possession type of receiver. I think eventually he maxes at like... 75 catches, 1,200 yards per season. Like, he could be that guy. Fringe Pro Bowler, I don't think Debo Samuel's, Samuel's going to be this guy making 7 eight Pro Bowlers. He's not going to change the league or light it on fire. But with Dante Pettis here, I mean, this is the good thing to note about the 49ers strategy. They saw needs on their football team, pass rusher, Nick Bosa. Need another receiver next to Dante Pettis? Debo Samuel. They didn't get cute. They weren't planning for the future. Mike McGlinchey was kind of a luxury pick last year. Even though Kyle wants to get the running game set up, they didn't technically need a right tackle. They needed these two positions, and they kind of had to prove to 49ers fans like, yo, we understand what the weaknesses of our football team are. Let's go get young rookies, make them building blocks, and that's exactly what I think Debo, Samuel's gonna be, and Nick Bosa. Then we get to the third round. Every 49ers fan is kind of expecting corner, secondary. You can argue guard would make a lot of sense here, or best player available. So it ends up being. Baylor wide receiver Jalen Hurd, former Tennessee running back, transferred over to Baylor actually because he didn't want to play running back anymore. Had a concussion, said the position is too dangerous. Tennessee said, we don't want you switching to receiver. Sat out of here, went to Baylor, tore it up as a receiver. Very raw, played out of the slot. We'll break him down as a player, but just an interesting move that some 49ers fans don't understand. You've already got Kyle Juszczyk. You've got George Kittle. Kyle wants weapons and he likes creating roles for people. Jalen Hurt is going to be that kind of move piece. This is a potential touchdown machine for Kyle to say, listen, we have needs at corner. We have needs elsewhere. I think I can get this guy in the end zone. And the 49ers now have that red zone chess piece where they can put Jalen Hurt in certain matchup situations, whether it's at tight end, whether it's at running back, fullback. He can be lining up everywhere. And Kyle can use him in motion and play action fakes off of him. And I think really throw off the defense. For Kyle to pick receiver back-to-back, listen, I love it. That unit to me was very, very barren. Even more barren than corner. Because you got Richard Sherman to at least lean on. You didn't want to just lean on Dante Pettis. This is now spreading the football around. I am okay with Kyle betting on a prospect like this. I know before the draft I said, "Uh, you can't totally trust him. But instead of a corner, instead of overloading that room with Akilah Weatherspoon, Tarverius Moore, Jason Verrett, and then now some third-round pick, I, I get that. I get rather having a receiver or someone who can score touchdowns than trying to find another corner rep. But the thing is, if you weren't going to take a corner in the draft, you should have signed a much stronger veteran than Jason Verrett who's just had too much of an injury history to count on so you've left that position a little barren but I totally get because I've been saying you're going to draft someone in the third round what are they going to do honestly it takes corners too long so I I I get taking a receiver here I really do I think Kyle might be able to develop this guy as a move tight end in the slot very raw just switching to receiver it could be a red shirt type of year for him I don't know what classroom is he going to be in is he going to being with the wide receivers or the tight ends. I'm fixated on Jalen Hurd and when he was taken, and I get the outrage from 49ers fans, but count me in as as someone who understands this pick, and Kyle's going to use this for the entire offense too. Even if Hurd ends up with like 20 catches a year, four or five touchdowns, it could be worth it because of the plays spawned off of having him in the offense and him being a creative weapon. And you can hit him up down the field too. He can catch deep passes. It's not traditional offenses in the Big 12. It's hard to project these guys. It's a it's a projection. Can this guy be good? My thing is Debo Samuel is going to start day one. If the 49ers took cornerback there instead and then went with Jalen Hurd, I would not like this draft class at all. I would say you need a wide receiver to come in and play right away. So they had to get that out of the way. And then, yeah, Jalen Hurd is more of a luxury pick. It really is. Does this team have the luxury of developing a playmaker? They need starters at other places, but not as many places as you think. And they have some young safeties in Colbert and Tart. I I don't think they could have drafted someone in the third round in the secondary who would start this year. And they thought, I'd rather craft a role for someone who's going to actually play. They're going to have to sign some veteran corners and potentially make a trade. They have to trade a fifth-round pick next year and get a legit corner in here. They have to do it. I wouldn't do more than a fifth, but I would I would start looking at that. Freaking Michael Bennett traded for six-round picks. There's some dumb veteran moves that happen. Someone gets disgruntled during OTAs. You might be able to pick a corner off a roster, and I'm hoping that's the strategy John Lynch and Kyle are thinking. So, yeah, KJ podcast going through the 49ers draft. I, I get so excited here. I mean, we really should go back. If we're just going to go pick by pick here, I didn't go over Debo Samuel enough. I'm so excited to talk about Jalen Hurd. Uh, I mean, Debo is very good at pretty much everything. He makes catches in traffic, he's fearless, great hands, yards after the catch. He's still very shifty and he's going to use his feet in the goal line to get open. And now he enters a wide receiver group that's Dante Pettis, Debo, Trent Taylor's making the roster. Marquise Goodwin is going to make the roster he's a valuable guy. And what he did with Jimmy G, you've got to to potentially see that again, because they didn't get enough time last year. So Marquise Goodwin's going to make the team. Kendrick Bourne, Jordan Matthews, and then Richie James. Two of those three will make it. One of them probably won't. You might be able to practice squad Richie James because of his eligibility. But all of a sudden, this position group's pretty crowded. Still doesn't have a superstar yet, but has two guys with huge potential in Pettis and Debo Samuel. So I don't know if Jalen Hurd is going to be in this group as well, and if it is, then you're talking about Kendrick Bourne might be the odd man out, Jordan Matthews probably be the odd man out, but if you put Jalen Hurd in the tight end classroom and kind of have him replace Cole Hickettini, I think that's going to be the play. Jalen Hurd is going to meet in the tight ends classroom with George Kittle, and he's not going to be an inline tight end, he's going to be flexed out a lot in the slot, but considered a tight end so I don't know they're gonna have a a weird kind of coaching project to teach Jalen Hurd how to fit into this offense but I love the potential I think this year is is minimal impact but flashes of brilliance how this could work and then year two he makes a big leap like this is kind of like a hybrid redshirt year where he's not going to play too much but he is going to in spurts and it's going to work and people are going to be calling for more of him Kyle wouldn't have made another risky pick after the Joe Williams thing. They're betting on character, too. I mean, this guy wanted to stick with football so bad that he was willing to switch positions, switch schools, stick it out. All right, let's get to the fourth-round pick. We can keep going on and on about these receivers. It's the most exciting position to draft. The 49ers really drafted it high again, so I give them props. I I thought they were going to get cute in the second round. They addressed the need. Kyle said they added probably the two most physical wide receivers in the draft, which is what they needed. They need more physicality at that position. So I love what they've identified as a team need. Fourth round, Saturday morning, everyone's waking up feeling great about what the 49ers have done so far. Then this is where things get a little bit hairy. Punter Mitch Wisnowski in the fourth round comes off the board, puts 49ers Twitter in a little bit of a frenzy. A lot of people clouding on the pick, taking a punter in the fourth round. 49ers lost Bradley Pinion in free agency. And Kyle said they watched a lot of film on punters, which which was a painful, painful process. And they took Mitch Wisnowski. And Kyle was really defending the case that he this guy was not going to be there had they not plucked him in the fourth round, that he was probably going to go later in the fourth round. He's that valuable. Australian rules, former guy, he's 27 years old. I would not have made the pick. I would have gone the free agent route and and got someone in there and tried to add a value pick here, whether that was a guard or a corner. Someone, I would have tried to take a George Kittle here. Someone who you thought had upside that could potentially pluck a starting role from someone and be dominant instead of a punter. Because I know it does matter. Flipping field position and having a guy that's a Pro Bowl caliber guy can help you win football games. I think you can... Kind of shuffle guys in and, and find them, too. Bradley Pinion's considered a middle-of-the-road punter, and I thought he he's fine. Is he really costing the 49ers games? He was, he, you know, he's a middle-of-the-road punter, and he was totally fine. So I don't like burning a resource like this. One thing about him I looked up, three of his punts were blocked last year, most in the NCAA. That is a little troublesome. And the fact that John Lynch said he wants to keep this guy for 10 years, and he's already 27. I don't know. Not loving that pick, and I wish him well, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on a guy being a fourth-round pick as a punter. Any shank is going to get called out. Then again, Kyle has intel. Made it seem like the Patriots or someone was going to take this guy in the fourth round. So Saturday got off to a little bit of a bad foot with everyone, no pun intended. 49ers in the fifth round got Dre Greenlaw, 5'11", 237 pounder from Arkansas, four-year starter. Got a little bit of an injury history, broken foot, sprained ankle. Kind of gets caught up in some collisions here, a little fragile. He's not a downhill thumper. He's really not going to stop anyone in the run. He is your backup linebacker type special teamer that will compete with Elijah Lee, Brock Coyle. Add some spice into that room. Kind of a cool story came out on Twitter from a user who said Dre looked out for his daughter at a party when a guy was kind of getting creepy on her made sure she got home okay. So it's a high-character guy, four-year starter. Yeah, I mean, Malcolm Smith's going to be gone. They're going to get rid of that contract if they can. And I thought Elijah Lee was okay, but this is what I say. You could find a really good guy here in the fifth round who could end up being a fringe starter. You're happy with this pick. Who knows, though? I mean, it's way too early to tell but this is your modern day linebacker, 5'11", 237. He's a little smaller, but he's good in coverage, had a couple interceptions at Arkansas. Sixth round coming around here. Caden Smith, 6'5", 255-pounder, ran a 4.92 in the forty. so he's not fast or quick, but this guy had a tendency to make big plays downfield. Stanford tight end, little weird. He was a junior and went to the draft early and ended up being a six-round pick, so... I don't know if it was poor judgment. He needed to get to the league for certain reasons. I don't know the full backstory there. Clearly, this puts Garrett Sellick and Cole Hicotini on notice. The 49ers are looking more for an impactful second tight end. It's going to allow them to do more. Um, Caden Smith got really good size. He needs to become a better blocker. He's played at a system in Stanford where they got to see similar things that he would do in this offense. They deemed it well. And John Lynch gets one of his boys you know, he's got to get some Stanford guys. I'll no, just teasing in there. Um, yeah, you like that pick in the sixth round. I mean, again, you're going to have Jalen Hurd, I think, in this tight ends room as well. This X slash type of weapon on offense. He's definitely going to be learning the tight end position to play. If Kittle's ever nicked up, the thing is Kittle's an amazing blocker too. And it'll be hard for like Jalen Hurd to step into the number one tight end role. I really think he's that Zach Ertz type that you put as the move tight end in the slot a lot. I, you know, I've been calling for a lot of shotgun when Jimmy Garoppolo shotgun four wide receivers and you slide Jalen Hurd in at that tight end on the line. I Yeah, there, there's a lot. I keep talking about this. I, I'm pumped about that pick. A lot of people aren't. All right, let's keep moving. Justin Skule, four-year starter from Van, Vanderbilt at both left tackle, right tackle. This throws some competition in for Sean Coleman. You've also got Eric Magnuson, you've got Najee Toran, and your boy Joshua Garnett. So yeah, you've got to get an O-lineman every year. Why not pick a four-year starter from the SEC? Just like your boy, uh, Dre Greenlaw, a little bit of a common thread there. And then finally, Tim Harris is selected, a cornerback from the University of Virginia. Just a shade under 6'2", 197 pounds. Does have that typical frame the 49ers look for. Um, sixth year senior, big injury history. I, he'll be a practice squad guy. I think they'll definitely want to develop him. I mean, without that injury history, Tim Harris probably would have been a third or fourth-round pick. 49ers walked into the draft with, what, five draft picks? I think it was five, and they walk away with eight players. So a couple trade downs. They get a starting wide receiver, a starting defensive end, a chess piece. A punter, and then a lot of unknowns. After that, you know, there's no way you can say Dre Greenlaw or Justin Skule or Tim Harris are going to be huge parts of the future. You can't say George Kittle or you know. Trent Taylor has emerged out of that fray. Adrian Colbert has emerged out of that fray. So, you hope the Forty ers continue their trend of a couple of these late round guys develop. That is how you become a playoff team a lot sooner. Because then you have control of really good players on good contracts for quite a while. So these late round picks do matter. 51 defensive backs were taken. Now granted, that's a couple different positions there, corner and safety. It was the most of any position. The 49ers took one. You did have a bunch of receivers added to the division as well. DK Metcalf from the Seahawks and Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, both to Arizona. New quarterback situation, Kyler Murray there. New quarterback situation in Seattle, Russell Wilson, long-term contract. And then Jared Goff. The secondary is troubling. The secondary is going to lose this team games this year. I still don't think they could have solved it in this draft. And that's why I'm happy with what the 49ers did here. They're going to make their offense better and they're going to make their edge-rushing unit better, which is going to give them help on the turnover end. But it's not going to be enough. And if Jimmy Ward has to play a bunch and he's getting burnt, and Earl Thomas helps Baltimore. We get to this part every week in every podcast, but it's really under a light now. They could have done more in the secondary and free agency. That's going to be their downfall. I get ignoring it in the draft, but then you should have brought in a LaMarcus Joyner, someone with credibility and not banked on your internal guys who have been banged up and not been the greatest when they've been out there. John Lynch did hint that Richard Sherman's looking a lot better Almost two years removed from a ruptured Achilles recovery. He really came on to start the year and kind of got beat a little bit to close the year. This offseason could fully rest him. I believe he's 31 years old. So going to year two of a three-year deal, this will be obviously a pivotal year for Richard Sherman and a lot of pressure on him. My early guess is that Jason Verrett will start week one and that's completely up in the air, but... I think the 49ers, if he does well in OTAs and he's healthy in the preseason, I think you go with the veteran there. And you tell Akela Willerspoon, you're next man up, and Tarverius Moore, you're going to just have to figure out what to do with him. And that's exactly why you didn't draft a corner here because no one was going to leapfrog these guys. It makes sense what the 49ers did when you really think about the roster. And I don't think they could have traded down to get Debo Samuel later either. I think that guy was going to get gobbled up. My thing is... What's with A.J. Brown? Why did he fall so far? I don't know what I missed on tape that NFL teams did not like because he seemed like the smoothest receiver in the draft. I totally get the other side of the coin too, guys. I totally get when someone says, this football team doesn't get luxury picks. Jalen Hurd, you don't deserve to develop this guy. You need to just throw a dart at a cornerback. What What if they are amazing? What if they are George Kittle? I get that side of the coin too. Corner is just a very hard position to transition to. The 49ers don't want another person just sitting in the refrigerator there that they can't use, just an ingredient that is not going to make a difference. It's a flaw for this football team. Secondary has been a flaw, and they've got to understand that. And they're clearly waving a red flag around it as their weakness headed into the year, but they still do have Richard Sherman. You know me, guys. I would crush this team if they made the wrong picks. If they picked the wrong player in the second round, I would call it out. I said last year I would have taken Harold Landry over Mike McGlinchey. Right now, McGlinchey looks like a better pick. This team, this roster, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with where it is now than it was last season. Tevin Coleman, new addition. Running back depth is there. Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. Filled out the room with Jordan Matthews as a veteran just in case you have injuries. I like it. 49ers didn't really touch O-line, but they extended their guards. Lakin Tomlinson, Mike Person, team-friendly contracts, didn't have to overpay for guard, getting enough production from the running game. Running game was working without Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Offense, I'm feeling really good about the offense when Jimmy Garoppolo gets back in and performs at a high level. They have depth. They have pieces they have Kyle Juszczyk as a blocker. They, there's pieces on this offense now. It's not completely barren. Defensively, the front seven is completely made over. Nick Bosa as your Leo. D Ford as your Sam and sometimes Leo. And Nick Bosa could play some big end. A lot of musical chairs going on, but it's it's shifted Eric Armstead inside. It's going to shift Solomon Thomas mostly to the bench, which was a problem last year. You need a productive player there. Quan Alexander is going to scrape over the middle, and clean up. This defense is more explosive. They're going to cause more turnovers. There's going to be more havoc. Quarterbacks are going to have less time to throw the football. The secondary is still full of holes and full of question marks. Joukowsky-Tart, great potential, can't stay on the field. Colbert couldn't stay on the field last year as well, too. Jimmy Ward can't stay on the field as well either. Yeah, you're concerned. You probably should have added some type of safety. I'm sure they're going to add some undrafted guys as I record this late Sunday night. Roster overall is in a much better position, even though we end there on the secondary. Kicker is up for grabs here. Like, I thought they were going to take a kicker in this draft. They're really banking on Robbie Gold coming back. I thought a punter would be someone... A kicker is more valuable than a punter, in my view. A kicker puts points on the scoreboard, and when you don't have a good one, it makes you go for it on fourth down. It it alters your strategy so fucking much. They don't get an A because they took a lot of chances, kind of, with some of these picks, but the 49ers, I don't think, get lower than a B- minus or or C+, plus if you're being even really hard on them. And these grades obviously mean nothing until we see what these players look like on the field and what their impact is. Really, you can't judge a draft class for at least two years. Their 2017 class was abysmal. This one feels like it's automatically going to be better because Nick Bosa's bus proof Debo Samuel's bust-proof. They got guys in here who are going to be major building blocks. They missed the playoffs this year. You're damn well going to know why. It's going to be the secondary. That's the frustrating part about the 49ers. KJ Podcast, Sunday night. Really tired, but wanted to get... A pod out the door for you. Close the month of April. Get into OTAs and some spring football here in May and June. We'll start to see the rotations at cornerback. We'll start to see some of these rookies integrated, how they're looking. The tweets from the beat reporters will be instrumental. This is when they matter most for sure. And we will analyze every word of it. And I want you to rate five stars. I'll answer your question. I really will this time. I'll, I check the reviews. Appreciate people leaving nice reviews. I've seen mostly positive stuff down there that you guys really enjoy this podcast. I enjoy delivering it. I enjoy analyzing this football team, tweeting. Saw one of my gifts did really well about D Ford, Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner are the Spanish bulls right now. We're going to make some type of t-shirts coming up at blue wire pod. So check those out. Yeah. Like I teased big, big announcement coming about our future and, um, some more people coming on board. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. That was the NFL Draft Recap. We're going to take a much deeper dive into all these guys. This was a nice introduction to lay the groundwork. Recapping the major points, I'm happy with this draft class. I think Jalen Hurt is going to work out as a gamble and become a chess piece, and that this is going to be a gamble that pays off in Kyle's favor. And it's too early for some of the later on picks to even evaluate him. And the punter, um, they could have got better value there. If he's a pro bowler, it's a great pick. If if not, it's a a bust. All right. We'll talk to you again later in the week. Peace.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.